Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. We've been having some great fun in the Team Human Apocalypse bunker lately, including a live Q&A call-in style show in the Kibitz Room for our supporting members. You can join people like Nancy Kosiolek, Kirby Pulver, John, Greg Jacob, and Chris Burbage in supporting this commercial-free effort by going to teamhuman.fm and clicking on support. You'll get access to our Discord channel, live salons, free admission to live events, and access to our Team Human team feed with special interviews, talks, and rare conversations. You'll also get free links to my weekly Medium columns, otherwise trapped behind the Medium paywall. Members also can get a signed, personalized book plate for your copy of my upcoming book, Survival of the Richest, when it comes out, if you send your request to rushkoffbook at gmail.com. Thanks for supporting this work. You're on Team Human, Conscious Intervention in the Machine, a chance to explore some other people's reality tunnels, try on their worldviews, and return changed, more porous, and ready to accept that life doesn't resolve to a one or a zero. Everything that matters, everything alive, is in between. I'm Douglas Rushkoff, and we're all on Team Human. Playing for Team Human today founder of Second Life, High Fidelity Labs, and one of the great thinkers and practitioners in virtual worlds, my friend, Philip Rosedale. If one built a currency that was genuinely fair, inevitably it would have the property that everybody would get like a significant amount of it per unit time. Philip and I will be discussing the misguided efforts fueling Web3 and retrieving the OG mission for immersive social platforms. It's time to intervene on behalf of people. I'm Douglas Rushkoff, and we're all on Team Human. Part of why I called uh, Philip Rosedale to be on the show this week is because of what's happening in the uh, crypto market. He's an expert in uh, blockchain and the technologies and uh, everything around it, and I wanted to talk to him because, you know, one of the most 
common questions I've been getting this week on email has been from young investors, though they wouldn't call themselves investors, but they are. They've been wondering why their crypto holdings are going down as fast or faster in most cases in the stock market. They'll say things like, but I bought all this Ethereum because I knew the market was about to crash, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> they thought this stuff was a hedge. Or someone wrote, what is it over here? Um, Biden was printing money by giving all those stimulus checks and unemployment benefits. That's what he said. You know, he's trying to share his rationale for having accumulated Bitcoin and NFTs and things. He said, uh, I knew there was too much in circulation and I was right, but Bitcoin was supposed to be a hedge against inflation. Yeah, I get that. But sorry, but Bitcoin wasn't supposed to be a hedge against inflation. Not originally, nor was it intended to be some kind of a non-correlated investment strategy. That means something that moves in the opposite direction of the stock market. It wasn't a hedge. Bitcoin and the other kind of OG blockchains were meant as a way for people to transact more efficiently and independently and freely than they could with expensive bank-issued interest-bearing currencies. Bitcoin is an invention that emerged in tandem with Occupy Wall Street. The blockchain was less an investment vehicle than a way of detaching our transactions from financial speculators altogether. It was about getting away from money as an investment, the opposite of an investment vehicle. It was it was people making markets out of money that were screwing up the economy for the rest of us. The blockchain was supposed to decentralize the authentication of transactions, right? You could buy something from me. I could buy something from you. We could exchange and authenticate the exchange of value so that we could all do that without the extractive interference of banks or credit card companies or financial speculators. And while the, the wider adoption and functionality of Bitcoin required a bit of buy-in from investors who believed in the value and sustainability of the tokens. This mad rush into crypto and NFTs by speculators, that was something else entirely. You know, a few people and some of my friends may have thought of Bitcoin as a new store of value, like like gold, but the hockey stick rise of crypto assets over the last few years, it attracted a whole different population of get-rich-quick investors. Everyone from the kids on Reddit and Elon Musk to Andreessen Horowitz and the United Arab Emirates Sovereign Wealth Funds got in the game. And that's that outweighs everything. The more people that invested in crypto for those spikes in value, the more dependent the tokens were on those risk-on attitudes of speculators. And that meant that instead of serving as some kind of a, a ballast against market volatility and financialization, the way boring assets like gold and silver are supposed to, these coins became absolutely tied to broader market fluctuations. When the market went up, People felt like taking more risks, and crypto went up. And now that the stock market's going down, those same people are selling crypto either to cover their losses or simply because they've grown more risk-averse. 
Crypto's astonishing, if short-lived success as a speculative investment only undermined its more revolutionary function as a currency alternative. Built to replace greed and, and obfuscation with access and transparency, the blockchain succumbed to the very financial avarice it was intended to counteract. Now that investors lost faith in the blockchain as a safe bet, those of us interested in its true utility value may just have more of a chance to steer how this technology is used. Unless you're looking to make money with money, a stable Bitcoin will serve you better than an expensive one. Right now, I'm sorry to say, the tail is wagging the doge. We've got a great treat today, really. An example of what I'm most grateful about in this life, the chance to hang out with people like Philip Rosedale, and not just because he's founder of the virtual world Second Life and so many other social, immersive, and economic experiments, but because he's such an open and supportive conversation partner, a pure yes and conversational jazz improviser who brings equal parts openness and rigor to the table. Here's what keeps me doing Team Human, and I hope you feel the same way. My friend, Philip Rosedale. I was going to call you with this problem and then thought, maybe this would be an interesting thing to share with the world, too, because I've got no lines anymore. You know, there's no, they're going to find out sooner or later anyway, right? Everything's on Google somewhere. So I've been getting lots of calls in the last two months from right. companies of various size and credibility doing things in <laughs> Web3, NFT, <laughs> la la la, uh, you know, some combination of VR and crypto and blockchain and something. Yeah. And I guess the, the first thing I was trying to figure out is... Is there, because if this first question is a no, then I don't have to ask any others. Is there right. any ethical, appropriate way of working with or for people using blockchain in an entertainment way? Or is it just all fakakta? <laughs> <laughs> Leave it to you to succinctly ask the question the right way, right? Is it really that binary? Yeah. Is there, it may is there be. any well, way? If it is that binary, then it solves, it makes it easier. But they have so much money and some things sound so almost creative that it's like, well, maybe there's a way. I mean, I keep trying to figure out, well, what if like um, I came up with one idea? I mean, the funny thing is these are ideas that I guess are proprietary because I'm giving them to them for whatever. Um <laughs> So one of them would be, you know, NFTs and virtual worlds could be a really interesting way to do an enacted form of fan fiction. Ah, right. So you buy or work with a posse to earn an NFT that becomes a character in a movie or big TV series, some epic thing. So you could be 
Jon Snow. You could win the Jon Snow NFT, or it could be like third White Walker from the left, right? But you get your thing, <laughs> and you get to do a freeze in a movie and zoom in and see, there's my guy, there's my NFT, yay, there's my one. And then after the movie or first episodes of the show is up, there's like a Web3 virtual world where you are your character. And if you can get your character to do something that's interesting enough to the people who are making the thing, then maybe they'll fold in your episode into the next movie, which thus increases the value of your NFT because now you're a minor character rather than an extra. (laughs) You know what I think is knowing you and knowing how brilliantly you think about this stuff, I think you're jumping ahead as a great thinker does, right? And you're, 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 you're trying to get to a place that does sound really wonderful, right? Which is one where we use the frictionless or we reduce friction, but in a way that enables creativity, right? And then yeah. by doing that, we kind of blur the line between creator and consumer, right? And like mm-hmm. you said, like the, the fan fiction space is like that blurred line, right? And uh, I mean, George Lucas at the beginning, right? Like, it's so funny because Star Wars is such a strong and well-protected brand now, right? But we all know that that story that, you know, at the beginning he was like, I just want everything to be remixed, you know? I, I, right. I, I want to do the, you know, I want to do the the great story, you know, the 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 hero's journey as a space opera. And then every, everybody, I want everybody to just take it and run with it and just tell new stories with it. And so I think you're talking about a future that is, to some degree aided by some of the kind of web three ish stuff. But of course, as you, as you and I, you know, well know, there are ways in which the present versions of those things are going to do the opposite. You know, they're going to, they're going to cause harm and they're going to, I think they're going to homogenize and centralize media in a way that we don't want, you know, it's like, uh, I think about YouTube, right? And it's like, YouTube is the same thing. Like it's, well, YouTube advertising is evil and needs to stop, right? There's no question about that. I mean, suggestions are, you know, (laughs) are not a good direction. But if you look at the original YouTube, you know, the Chad Hurley YouTube, it was a neutral tool that could, you know, like fire, you know, could, could, could do good or could do harm. And I think the good was in surfacing creativity and, and doing things like, you know, inspiring things like the Khan Academy, right? You know, like allowing us to, 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 to broadcast things in a way that we never had. The bad, the bad was that it centralized scoring and ranking so that you got this power law, right? Right. And the peak of the power law was an influencer in a category. And then the second person was half their size. And then the third person was a quarter of their size. And the math that drove that was purely this global ranking math, which I think I think now that we're all wiser is generally a source of harm, you know? And so, I mean, I think, you know, I'm an optimist like you. I mean, I think that, sure, there's a way to use this technology for good. And if anybody could find it, it would be you. I mean, if a big company's <laughs> asking you, Douglas, to like tell them, you know, how to use NFTs to do art better, you know, you're the kind of person who's going to eloquently think of a a pattern for them to follow. But I do think that statistically speaking, almost all roads lead to despair and harm right now. They do, you know, and that's the thing. It's it's, somehow, it's partly because 
once you're using NFTs and an underlying token, it's like, so the, the landscape itself is now a marketplace, you know, <laughs> and it's really hard for them, the values of the market, not to infuse whatever's going on. You know, the question I always think that I was thinking of you lately, and I was thinking this is exactly the sort of question I'd, you know, talk to you about, you know, live, you can ask this interesting question, which is how many coins should there be? I love that question, right? Like you can't have it both ways. Like what the technologists behind crypto wanted to do and and achieved to some extent was to create a frictionless means of doing transactions where we could all use different coins and, you know, we could, we could essentially move value around between us. But that then begs the question in the presence of a frictionless technology and for the purpose of good or for the betterment of humanity or whatever, how many coins should there be? If it's, if it's, if it's trivially easy to make a coin, then how many should we ultimately have? Right. And I think that Bitcoin and Ethereum are this thinking that says, well, there should be only one. Right. And I find little or no logic in that. Like the idea that we would go from what 20 major fiat as they say in cryptocurrencies right and we would collapse down to one one utopian currency the bitcoin the holy bitcoin <sighs> why would that be right the the, the right. nature of technology has generally or at least maybe when it's done good has been to um de distribute capability more broadly and so in that logic you would say well Technology right now is an, is going to enable us to have many many coins. Maybe there's some good in that. And and frankly, as you may know, you know from, from talking to, from us talking about it, I think there is really good in that. And I think that the idea that how many coins should there be is, in my mind, the basis for a conversation around how do we make crypto good. You know, but you got to ask that question. And so. I think one of the great evils behind this thing is the idea that it's all in the greater service of the up and to the right Ethereum price or whatever. You know, right. that just doesn't make any sense at all. And 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 of course, you know, we can look at that in more detail. It's just causing immense harm, you know, which is which I've written about and thought about a lot, you know, this kind of rich get richer problem that's that's ever the more intensified in crypto. Right. And it's like once anybody's using any kind of an ends justifies the means logic, I drop out totally. right away. I'm I'm totally. finally in the place where it's like if you're not doing it in the moment, you're just not doing it. You know? <laughs> I love the way you put that. You always put that so well. I've had exactly the same thought. You know, I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna name him, but I I I, I called, you know, a Bitcoin maximalist and 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 he said to me, I, I don't care I don't care if it's gonna make some young white kids get really rich as they kind of take over Wall Street. He's like, I don't care about that. I don't care about that. I don't care about any of that. All I care about is toppling authoritarian regimes with Bitcoin. And, you know, I, I agree with you. I felt the same way. I'm like, brother, I understand the desire to topple authoritarian regimes. You know, that's great. We all want that. But you can't just justify that. Right. You can't justify that end and have a system that is just is just leaving bleeding you know along the way you know right. like, that's no, just not what, okay yeah it's what it's the same thing that Steve Bannon Peter Thiel and Elon Musk all have in common right it's just tear it down yeah yeah some someday it'll all be okay so long as so long as I start in a good place right it's the you know the tear it down what it's the John Rawls right the uh the, the John Rawls, uh, uh, what do you call it? The veil of ignorance, right? Right. You know, like I always say to blockchain people, like, w would you feel the same way if you were getting in today? 
with with Bitcoin at sixty thousand, and you yeah. know Vitalik, you know having eight billion dollars, or you know, would, would you do it? Would you design the thing the same way? And of course, you wouldn't, right? Like if you didn't right. know what moment and what role you were to play in the ecosystem, you wouldn't design Bitcoin, right? Now, I remember asking that to John Barlow once. He was, you know, a real libertarian guy. And he's like, oh, it's all, you know, everyone should just get, you know, say, like, well, would you be saying that if you weren't born with a ranch in Pinedale, Wyoming? You know, your starting place <laughs> totally. is different, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you've got go. a, a horse and a hundred acres and two revolvers, you're in a pretty good spot. <laughs> yeah, right. Even then, even then, it's funny. I agree. Yeah, I mean... When you did Second Life, you, I guess the, 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 it was, was it the first thought? Was it the way to make an economy that works was to sell the land? Was that, was that the first well, idea? Gosh, I've talked about this and written about it and thought about it so much lately, of course, I'm trying to go back and go, what was I thinking and where was I right? And where was I wrong? Yeah. Look, I mean, the, the, the way that I thought about Second Life was as a gigantic building game where, not a game, but like a building environment, a sandbox where people would build a city together. That was, the thing to me was kind of like, what kind of a city would people build if they could move into this giant sandbox and just start building stuff? And of course it was influenced by references like Burning Man where I had gone and I was like, these are people building a city for a week right. with no building codes and and no uh, you know commerce, just, just being creative. And this is what the city looks like. And so I was like, I want to see what the city that looks like that's built out of digital primitives and, and, and this is what I'm getting to, what I thought was, well, it needs to just fairly distribute resources amongst people, right? And so basically the two ways that I could think of to do that were one, the laws of physics, like basically, you know, you couldn't put a wall through another wall kind of thing, you know? So I was like, well, if I can just build some laws of physics that are inviolate, that would be really cool. As a side note, I still want to do that. Like, I think that 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 turned out that turns out to be a really hard problem to build, like a, a, a great big physics simulation that people can't break. You know. Mm. But the second thing was, I was like, well, we'll just build a currency because we'll we'll give everybody an equal amount of the currency or something. You know, we'll give everybody like an income or something, and then that's what they'll use to buy and sell stuff, so that the city, you know, the the, the landscape can emerge in a way that is like reasonably fair so that people that are wanting to be creative in there, you know, they'll find it to be an equitable playground. And so that was where I came at like crypto, like, like I built the Linden dollar in second life, you know, in 2003 or whatever, 2002, when we did that, you know, which is before Bitcoin, because I just wanted to fairly allocate resources in a way right. that wouldn't piss anybody off. And so I still think, like I, I wrote on Twitter something, I think yesterday, where I said, what was the original appeal of crypto for you, the listener? Right. And I answered I was, that one too. Yeah. I, I was in there. Yeah, right? Yeah. And yeah. those, I don't know if you saw the other answers on there, but they're they're really cool. Like I've been looking at that and saying, if you do want to build a better world, what were the things that you thought you we might be able to do with crypto? And and I think that the fairerness, <laughs> that's not a word, but yeah. the idea of a fairer money. Yeah. And as we were to, as you you know, we're talking about in that thread, you know, a money that was money, like you could use it for trade. You you yeah. you, you could use it to do trade. That that was the appeal of crypto. It, so it was the it was the necessary utility for Second Life, and think for me, it's still the appeal. Like I feel like we should be able to do some form of digital money right. that is fairer 
than dollars. It was also just the simple idea that money doesn't have to be a read-only file, that money could be <laughs> read-write. You know, that was the, for me, that was the whole thing. And, and that I could authenticate yeah. with my phone as yeah. well as some central bank could. And then that would, because I knew the history of central currency and how extractive it was and how it replaced local currencies, that here was a way to do time dollars and let systems and all those other forms of money that people kind of don't trust because they don't know who's really running it. It's like, yay, now we can do it. And um, But boy, but it just created another population of bankers. I think the let's idea, by the way, I mean, between us, you know, you, you've thought about this more than I have, you know, ideas like those let's systems, they really need to be read by people because I think that people see uh, central bank currencies and then they see something like Bitcoin and they really need to go back and ask the question and then answer the question like, hey, are there other exemplary forms of a currency? Right. And I think these idea of, of zero balance local currency, which is, you know, the classic Letts idea that, you know, you know, Philip uh, and Douglas uh, both have something of value. And on day one, uh, Douglas gives something to Philip. So Philip marks himself down as having a negative balance and Douglas has a positive balance. And then the next day we swap we, we do something else for each other. And so the money just goes circular between mm -hmm. us, right? That idea, which is best captured by those early community currencies and let systems is so important to like get out on the radio, so to speak, for people to think about because that's what we want to build. And like you said, we now have the tools. We now have yeah. smartphones. We, we don't even need the internet. Like you said, we can, we can build a let system on smartphones that doesn't even use the internet and certainly doesn't use a blockchain that is just signed statements. Philip gave, you know, Douglas something that was worth $10. Both of them signed it. Boom. That, right. That's the beginning exactly. of the financial. That's a read-write money. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, these monies, it's funny. These monies are like in the Encarta stage of Encyclopedia Britannica, right? When when Microsoft <laughs> came along and was like, oh, we could do Encyclopedia Britannica, but we could do it online. We could do it on a CD-ROM. So they do Encarta, which is their experts making a fake Encyclopedia Britannica. But what we're saying is, no, 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 no. We could do Wikipedia. Don't you see? It's it's We don't want to recreate fiat currencies and central currencies in the oh Bitcoin space. Douglas, you know, you've, you've got a Write that down. That is just gorgeous as an explanation. So what you just said was, playing it back, <laughs> Bitcoin is like Encarta, but what we want is Wikipedia. Right. I mean, that is just, boy, that is like just sit and stew in that sentence because you're exactly right. But these days I'm going to have to explain to most people what Encarta, <laughs> I guess what so, Encarta but yeah. was. But yeah, Gosh, but it's right. important. So but but it is a it's a true uh, it's a true analogy though it's the it's the the paucity of imagination you know but that's the whole problem with the whole ipo.com you know app universe is they invent something and then they run to goldman sachs to figure out how to make it extractive <laughs> it's like no you, you know, had the idea you talk about extractive and that's such a wonderful word that is people are starting to listen to it. And I think, mm. you know, the other example of extractive that I think is great is, and I, I was thinking about it in the context of these let's systems, right? If you and I start with a hundred dollar bill, right? My, my friend, Bill Tai always talks about his model of money systems is just 
$1 bill that circulates between people very, very fast. And that if you could move a dollar bill fast enough, Bill always says this and he's totally, it's totally great. If you could just move a dollar bill around fast enough, it would create a whole economy. And he's exactly right. You absolutely mm. could do that. I hand it to you. You give me a cup of water. You turn around and hand it to the next person. Now, the extractive thing is this. What if there was a 3% fee on every one of those trades? There'd be no money in our local community yep. within 50 trades, right? Like you do 50 trades or whatever, and you got 10% mm -hmm. of your money left. That's extractive. Like, I think like, again, you know, we need, we need one of those people when we're talking right now, we need one of those people who draws on the whiteboard and makes little pictures that yeah. illustrate what we're talking it's about. True. That would be so but cool. It would. Well, maybe someone will, they can after this, but, <laughs> but it's the same as like, as like, if you said every time someone uses a vowel, right? I own this. I have IP for your language. <laughs> if you use the letter E or the letter U while you speak, I get 3%. And it's like, well, that's ridiculous. But if people understood that money was language, money is not this thing. It's not your tie to survival. It's the language of commerce. Then it's like, oh, that's just great. let's, let's, let's optimize for the velocity of money, the, 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 the super fluidity of this stuff, not the the, <laughs> the 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 viscosity or the the, the stickiness or the friction of it, but people, that's right. what financialization is, right? Making money off the friction, and rather than off creating value. Is that so? That, that people use that word lately. I think let's. What's your take on that? That word financialization does kind of stink. Making money with money rather than doing mm -hmm. anything. So, okay, the right. the aristocracy in late medieval Europe, they were they hadn't created value and eight centuries and now yeah. people are trading and all, oh, well, let's make their money illegal, make them borrow money from us or in the central currency and then pay it back to us at interest. The only reason they're using our money is because we made their money illegal and now we're making money by making money. You know, putting it another way and going back to the beginning of the conversation and you were talking about, um, you know, people, you were talking about the idea of helping with creative work. I think this financialization, right? Like, the, the way that people use it that's sometimes inauthentic is to say, oh, it's going to enable everything to have a price. And so now you can sell <laughs> a picture of you winking and okay, great. You know, and you're an artist or, you know, you can do a TikTok video and now you can put, you know, you make money on that, right? But you're right. Embedded in that is the idea that somebody gets 3%. And that's right. the problem. It's like, I don't want to shake hands with Douglas and say, I like you. It's nice to see you. And and some somehow MasterCard gets 3% on that. And I think that's the extractive, that's like the negative or the yang or whatever to the the positive, right. which would be, I can put a price on anything, I guess. Right. Because the, the, the platforms and all that are trying to get us to buy NFTs from each other, they're not even making their money just off the service charge of the NFT. They own the underlying token. You know, that's how you right. make, like the and guy the who dollar. bought Beeple, mm -hmm. the guy who bought Beeple made more money when he bought that friggin' painting than he lost because his coin went up. Totally. And don't, don't get us started on wash trading. I sometimes think about like the, like, even if you're the most libertarian person ever, right? <laughs> yeah. You might say something like, is there anything the government should regulate? <laughs> you know, <laughs> and like one of them might just be you bidding on your own auction, Right, <laughs> like if there's ever been anything that like oh yeah that's problematic right it's it's people that are basically owning the coin 
and then bidding on their own stuff to drive their own coin up. You know, what was it? That story came out that Beeple, yeah, yeah, Beeple owns a percentage of the company, right? That that's got the guy that bid on Beeple. I mean, come on, you know, this exactly. this kind of self dealing. You can't. You you have to not do that in a in a society, you know, that's right. going to have but any stability. But there was stability. no man in the middle attack. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> you guarded against that damn man in the middle and you've created an entirely fraudulent economy around a phantom fear. Those men in the middle, those Chinamen, it's Chinamen getting in you the know, middle of our transactions. I know. It's, yeah. it's these last few months, I've had moments <laughs> where I've thought of you so many times and I thought, what does Douglas make of this one? <laughs> it's just the idea that we're funding, the idea that we're funding North Korea through crypto, the bonfire of the vanities. I mean, I, there's something so funny and, and just awful about that. It's 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 artistic, you know. It's yeah, unbelievable. Well, it's, it's funny because I keep I want to write this play called Burning Man, you know, and it's about you know <laughs> sort of how how the, the Burning Man pyre is the Bitcoin pyre, you know. Yeah. It's like it's it's this idea of having a, a and as a Jew, I know about burning shit, you know, because that was in the Bible. You know, they would burn a goat or whatever to God. So here it's like let's burn resources to prove to God that we believe in this coin it's like a pure wow. act of faith in this thing and it's a you're not allowed to sacrifice until we get the temple back first off that's torah <laughs> you know so it doesn't make sense from a spiritual perspective but but wow you know just what does that look like from afar this single pyre what do they burn that for oh because it's they're proving that they love money oh you know what else that makes me think of that's such a good way of looking at it it, it also makes me think of how the Melanesian um, big man cultures, right? Where you'd have the potluck, but where the potluck started as a generative thing that, you, you know, where you like, you, you gave away stuff to your friends and relatives. It can also be seen and has sometimes been transformed into this thing where the very wealthy destroy expensive things, right? As a form of theater where you mm -hmm. show how powerful you are by essentially burning up resources right but the thing i've been struck by lately is part of the horror of that right is that if your means of communication is burning up resources that of course is intensely discriminatory because that's easy to do for a rich person and very hard to do for a poor person and so it's it's divisive because Money you can talks. just go out yeah <laughs> hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. <laughs> and well, and look at Burning Man with, uh, you know, 
some of the most spectacular art at Burning Man has just been funded by wealth that is burnable. And is that okay? I don't know. You know, as someone who enjoys the wild, at least the early idea of, you know, some of the artistic expression at Burning Man, right? But as, as of course, that got, as the years went by, there was more and more money spent, but it was this weird money that was just like you say, burnable excess, you know, mm. to just build giant art cars and things out there. Well, yeah, I wonder, you know, if if instead of giving back 90% of their money to this foundation or that, if Gates and Berkshire Hathaway, whatever his name is, Buffett and Zuckerberg mm-hmm. and those guys, if they decided we're just going to destroy 90% of our money. Wow. What, what does that do? What... <laughs> Do you know what I mean? What does that do to yes, the to the totally. to wealth and the economy and fairness? What is that? What happens? Well, right, boy, boy, I love that because <laughs> you know that's what I've been thinking about with this community currencies and let's type stuff. If the system right works right, if you build the right, like you were saying, superfluidity in the system, then burning money is essentially giving it equally to everybody else. And so right. I agree with you in the right system. Now I'm going to say I don't think with dollars that would work. Right. Because, because what would happen with dollars, right, is I guess the, and I guess this is like we're giving a little tutorial on fiat money here, right? But the idea would be that if that happened, then who's our Fed uh, chair or, yeah, right? Some like, dude, yeah. They, they would <laughs> yeah. basically say, oh my gosh, Warren Buffett just burned uh, $10 billion and what are we going to do? And then they'd basically say, well, now we can print another $10 billion. Uh, but of course, the manner in which that $10 billion would be distributed wouldn't be effective. But I think you're right. Like if you built, it's almost like a test case, right? Like if you built the right <laughs> money, if you built the right kind of money, then you're right. right. Buffett's best thing, like in his dying you know, moment or whatever, would be to just burn it all. Exactly. Boom. And by the way, he believes in that. You know, he's he's been a uh, uh, right. He's talked a lot about um, needing to get rid of the inheritance tax. You know, which which is like a sub conversation about the same thing. Right. But I love getting rid of it rather than putting it all in a foundation that's basically an S and P index fund holding trillion dollars. (laughs) I just went to Davos. You know, I got invited to that. Oh, and so cool. I thought, well, I need to keep my eye. Yeah, I did speak at it. And, and, and I, I felt like I needed to be, you know, in the room, right. I, I felt like I need to keep my eye on this gang of yeah. people, you know, more, more than anything. And, um, and it was a weird experience to be there, but I was struck by an observation there, which is some of the people at the top do seem to have good intentions, but I was wondering, I was asking myself, and it's what you're saying about like foundations, do, do these well-intentioned people who like put the money in a foundation to do a thing, it seems like so often, yeah, it just doesn't result in any good. You know, I've been thinking about these or or even a group like, say, Ted, who has hosted conversations historically about so many like good ideas, you know, like how do we fix climate change or whatever. But do you really, do we really see success coming out of those projects or like from the top, right? And I feel like, no, the only way to have success is what you were saying earlier, which is burn, you know, burn the money, <laughs> thus giving it equally to everybody else or something like that. I know we're basically anarchists. I mean, it's where we're, <laughs> we're kind of going with this, but yeah, that may be, yeah, that may be uh, the place. It was funny. I remember you've gotten all this beautiful trouble i was so happy for you on twitter <laughs> this must have been a year ago when elon musk went and bought like a billion dollars of bitcoin 
right? Yeah. And you did this post saying, totally. I'm just on the math, and he's created more pollution by buying that billion dollars of Bitcoin than all his cars will save like in the next 80 years ever. or something yeah, crazy. Yeah, yeah. yeah or ever. Um, and then people were like challenging your math, and that's not true, and Bitcoin's all renewable energy now from, you know, Chinese bicycles or something. But that's true, right? That that <laughs> totally. calculation? Yeah. And even those, and of course, it's it's become all the more um, statistically validated in the past year. But yeah, like, and in fact, even on that thread, I was delighted to see that um, o- over the course of the conversation, I, I think when you go read through that thread, there were more defenders of me that were like, yes, his math is right. This is this and this <laughs> is that. So I think that, yeah, you know, that, that yeah, this sort of bonfire of the vanities problem with, with, with Bitcoin. I mean, I think I've said this to you before, but it's the price of distrust, right? Like it's the mm. price of total distrust. Like that's what I've always said. Like the transaction fees and the economic and the and the environmental impact of blockchains is basically like if you, if you ask the theoretical question of a computer programmer, can you make me a money system where everyone is constantly trying to screw everybody all the time <laughs> and there's no one you can trust? I could give you Bitcoin, right? Like I could say like, right. yes, I can do that. Here's a here's code. Here's actual code. I'm Satoshi. Here's the code for that. Right. But what we see in the end, right, is that the cost of using it is really high, right? Because it's almost it's in and 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 as an optimist, like what I think, and I know you, I've gotten a lot of this from you. You've you've put this more eloquently than I. We are good social animals. We right. don't mean to be in environments without trust. We profit. And, and and move the world forward by building trust, right? And so you, it's almost like Bitcoin is like this incredibly icy, weird thing where you basically say to a programmer, could you build me a system in which nobody trusts nobody and yet it's money? And I'd be right. like, I could, but are you sure you want that? Like, right, and you know? then you go do that and then you've got kids, I mean, not really being, but for the sake of argument, you've got kids being raised in an environment where the main money technology is has a presumption of distrust and you're going to engender distrust you know at least on the dollar for whatever it is it's like okay there's this thing called government and they've got these cement buildings and they're trying to make money work you know or they put god on the coin or something (laughs) that we're gonna there's a social agreement here you know and that's part of being alive I totally, you know, one of the things I know you've been watching this too. One of the things I've thought is so funny lately in a very yin yang way is that the base layer of crypto is trustless. And like we're talking about, it's kind of horrifying, right? Because Mm. everyone is supposed to screw everybody else. There is no trust. You have no friends, right? And like we're seeing that played out in all its horrific glory, right? But then you go into the Discord groups, you know, where there's like a community around some NFTs or something. And what do you find in those groups? You find, in my opinion, you find humans huddling together trying to stay warm despite the hurricane that is crypto, right? Like you basically have this, you you, you have like the counterpoint to the coldness of the blockchain is these little warm groups where people are like, (laughs) oh, you got screwed. You got your, your, you know, oh, Douglas, you know, your password got fished from you and and MetaMask here, let me, let me give you the five ether you lost, you know, I'm just going to give it to you. But that's because that's how humans are, you know? Right. Right. And they're all, I mean, 
it's really sad in those groups too, though, because they're all like, you know, it's sort of where goes, it's almost like that, that QAnon slogan, you know, where one goes all, I'll go one, you know, we're all in this together. <laughs> we're all going to make it. But I was so saddened. I watched the, like the video music awards this year and Steve Aoki, this big, I mean, he's well, he was born wealthy anyway, but he's this big DJ, you know, a, a EDM DJ right. and he gets up there and his acceptance speech for the thing is to the moon. You know, it's, just the, it's he was talking about his token. Like, don't wow. worry, we're all going to make it. We're all going to. Yeah. And it's like, we're all going to make it to the moon. So that is the pure pyramid scheme. And it's an artist. I mean, then when you saw the Super Bowl ads, that was so sad looking at especially um, what's his name? Matt, that guy, uh, uh, the Goodwill hunting guy who's like, you know, yeah, cares right. about the world. He does all this environmental stuff. And it's like, oh, dude, don't hawk that shit. And now, oh my God! I mean, what? Only only a few months later. I mean, yeah. it's crazy. Like it's all falling apart. And get and guess who loses as crypto goes down? Right, all those retail investors who can't get their money back and get margin called. You know the. I mean, it's just crazy. I mean, it's just absolutely crazy. It's a money pump. Like I've been thinking about how I've been thinking about this kind of dark thought, which is that actually, I think. And this, there's, this is a little bit of a mathy thing, like this analysis that I've done on rich getting richer in any system. I think a corollary of that is if you have one coin, like ima- imagine that you have like a coin, we'll just use the crypto, a, a currency, it doesn't matter. And, 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 and every, like the dollar is that, and everybody uses that currency. And then a sexy new currency shows up, right? For which there are presently no users, but it has this to the moon excitement to it, right? Like everybody wants to get into the Dogecoin or whatever. I believe mathematically you can show that wealth inequality is always increased during the transition between any two coins. You know what I mean? So if you start with one mm. system that everybody is say, maybe they're not happy with equality in that system, but they're like, yeah, you know, it works well enough. And then you say, oh my God, it's not dollars anymore. We're all going to move to Bitcoin. I think you can actually make a mathematical argument that it doesn't even matter how good or bad or well-built or whatever Bitcoin is. In the transition from dollars to Bitcoin, wealth inequality, the Gini index, uh, will increase. It'll get worse. And that's I think that is a bummer. <laughs> I wonder if that's the same thing with a neighborhood. Oh, this neighborhood's not cool anymore. Everybody's moving over there. Again, who doesn't get to move over there? The poor people. Exactly. And every time the neighborhood shifts, it's like they're more poor here. My gosh. More poor. You're totally, actually, gosh, as always, you're totally right. That's a better example. You're totally right. Like if you have a bunch of people in a community and then you flood that community, let's say right. there's a crisis. Let, let's say there's an externality, right? The floods come and, and everybody has to move. To- you're totally right. It doesn't, I, I know if we modeled that, like if we did a Sim City on that, yeah. you're going to go from some rich people to less rich people <laughs> as you go to the new community, basically, right. because right, those who have means have tremendous leverage in establishing themselves in the new community, and they end up even farther ahead. This goes back to the thing that you figured out a couple of years ago, that that whoever has more money has an advantage in the poker game, right? Yep. They will, because they can always bet more, and the other one has to do his, uh, you know, all-in thing. Yep, exactly. So once you know that that's the game, if that's the game then it's not that we're fucked, but we got to acknowledge that that's the game. I mean, it's funny. It's like you're, 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 a, I mean, you could look at second life as a game, right? As a game universe and mm-hmm. as, as an extension, are you a, probably a gamer as a kid? Did you do fantasy role-playing or, or, or 
games. You know, and- I didn't as much as I would have thought I would have. You know, like I was <laughs> much more <laughs> into the cellular automata and the game of life and fractals right. and all this stuff. So right. I was more like coming at it from the dreamy, like make yeah. stuff kind of side. You know, I, I, I'm trying to think what's some emblematic, you know, computational example of that. I don't know, but. I did play some of the games, but I didn't like, I never played World of Warcraft, for example. I never played like the role-playing games. I played shooters. So I Mm -hmm. I had a little bit of community that way, but I didn't really play through the RPGs. But your your approach though, it's interesting. It's like, it's a little bit, you know, Rudy Rucker used to do this kind of stuff. I mean, his books were really good for me growing up because he explained parallel dynamics and the kinds of things you're talking about. He explained Ramsey and game theory, but in ways I could understand it. It's like some so many of your insights come out of thinking through game dynamics, you know, mm-hmm. and you're right. But then it's like, so then they're right. You figure it out. You have it on paper. This is true. Then why I'm still confused is why can't we get this to the people that run things have them see oh that's how it works so we can no longer do this thing anymore can we we better change (laughs) you know well you know (laughs) i've been actually thinking about something which is that if you were able to build a digital currency that was more fair it would inevitably mean that it was widely and equitably distributed right like no matter how you look at it like we you and i wouldn't get behind anything unless it had a we could defend that there was some, like just what we're talking about, there was some kind of equitable fairness to the way it worked. And honestly, I think, and you remember this, at the beginning of Bitcoin, if you really squinted your eyes and didn't look at it for very long, you probably would kind of have felt that way because basically what Bitcoin was saying was, hey, look, screw the government. It's 2009. You know, they they, they stole all the money and ran with it. That's terrible. Totally. Totally. What we're going to do instead is a form of currency where we print money and everybody that has a computer gets to print the same amount of money, right? And actually, like, if you squinted and you looked at that without a lot of consideration, yeah, I mean, you would have been like, well, that's better than the government. I mean, everybody turns their computer on and we all get 10 bucks a day on our computer. So I think that, and that's partly why I was asking that on Twitter. I think part of what people like, frankly, me found inspiring about Bitcoin was precisely that idea, right? The problem is, just like you said about what I've written about, the problem is, is that if there's a if there's a significant benefit to turning your computer on earlier than everybody else, and you can buy more computers with the Bitcoins you earned, then basically the Bitcoin system doesn't become more equitable. And that's what we've seen. But I think the intention was to make it equitable. But anyways, what I was going to say is, Right now, you know, you can't get Bitcoin. You know, they're 29,000 bucks a piece or whatever. If you built, if we built a digital currency, some kind, if one built a currency that was genuinely fair, inevitably it would have the property that everybody would get like a significant amount of it per unit time, you know, whether that mm-hmm. was through a social network or a giving exchange or a key party or I don't know, whatever, something, everybody would get a significant amount of it. But one of the things I've been thinking about lately is if we could come up with a system that was fair, actually it would be very viral because the system that's like, hey, download this app and you get $100 a day from the time you downloaded it going forward, I bet that would be a popular app. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Right, universal basic How do you make a viral app? And I'm like, give everybody 100 bucks a day. You'll find that to be super viral. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that word yeah now we're re-examining yeah, there's people who could do that i mean musk could 
keep that going for quite a while with his uh, <laughs> if, rather than buying Twitter. As many have pointed out, right? He could have done a kind of a yeah, any number of different weird ideas. I think I saw some examples of like dropping uh what was it like yeah like air air dropping coins on twitter users or something i mean there's a lot of interesting thinking there but then the whole other side which i i don't see why they're really necessarily combined i mean web3 seems to be taking crypto and vr and putting mm-hmm. them together as if there's some relationship between the two which there really isn't you know i mean in world currency as tokenized is not necessarily any better than in-world currency as just pennies, you know, (laughs) I don't see it. But if we go to the VR side of it, your versions of virtual reality, whether it was original Second Life or High Fidelity are by their nature, by the way they're designed and thought about, they're very warm and human and opening and softening. You know what I mean? They're they're different. They're different because you're partly, it's just, there's so many features that so many design considerations that lead to that. But ultimately I would argue it, it's because they are built from the heart, right? They're, they're, they're built with a different intention. And as, as I look now, there, there are all these people trying to build all of these places, what they're considering, you know, they, I guess right. they're going to be stops on Zuckerberg's metaverse or maybe not. And, and you're back in in some respects. You're back helping, advising back at at Second Life. I mean, where are you steering this? What what's what's working and what's not as we move into these virtual spaces? Well, thanks. I mean, you're right. The humanistic aspect of it. I, th- I think you're right. I mean, if people want to build something that's warm and connects people, they will. I mean, it's technology can do either one yeah. i'm so happy second life at least exists right now so that we can point at it and go hey 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 this technology does not always cause harm come on you right. know, this is ridiculous we remember we remember the 80s and the early 90s you know in in in, in, in networks right i mean that was there was a lot of warmth there mm-hmm. so i think there is hope but uh, you know what i think when i when i think about like advising second life or or anybody that's working on this stuff one of the things is giving people a rich enough kind of identity that they place value and stake in it, you know, and that of course causes good behavior, right? Like if we're, if we really are building like a kind of online identity that's very sticky and very real, you know, think of, I guess I think back to something like true names, you remember that, you know, Mm -hmm. then inevitably we treat each other well. Like if we have the, if we have social responsibility, then even in a very anarchic system, we will take care of each other. You know, if I know that it's you again, when I meet you later, you know, it's the prisoner's dilemma. I've written a lot about this lately. You know, the, the the prisoner's dilemma either ends up as a good outcome or a bad outcome, depending on whose perspective you're in, the prisoners or the police or whatever. But yeah. the good outcome is where we cooperate, right? And the bad outcome is where we betray each other. We mutually betray each other, right? That's the sad, sad ending. And the difference between those two endings is, of course, well understood by game theorists. You're right. Like, I do think about it that way. Um, and, and what the game theorists will tell you is, and they've tested this, is if we know who each other are and we're going to play again in the future, we always cooperate. If we don't know, if we can change our identity after we talked, then we betray each other. Right. And but the other, the other thing that always bothers me, just as an aside, about the prisoner's dilemma as an example of how human beings behave is 
you're working under the assumption that we are prisoners being interrogated <laughs> right. by freaking Gestapo Nazis. It's like, okay, if that's our reality, that we are prisoners, then fine. <laughs> right. Maybe we're not going to behave as well as we would otherwise, right? Despite but all anyway. my rage, I'm still just a rat in a cage, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah, like if we if we believe that we're in conflict, and of course, and of course, that that idea of you know, if we think we're pinned down, then then we be, we do behave very badly. But of course, as you've pointed out, you know, perhaps more eloquently than most, we're just not that way. Like by default, you know, we we are we are humans and we right. are caring and we are supportive and we have white eyes. That's my favorite one lately. Yeah. We have we have white eyes for a reason. <laughs> it's because we are safe sharing very vulnerable information, which right. is precisely where we're looking with each other. If we were innately bad, we wouldn't have white eyes because that evolutionary right. trend would have been damped down by the deaths of the people who had white eyes initially. So Right. We'd all have shark eyes or something. Yeah. We'd all yeah, yeah we'd all have we'd all have poker glasses. We'd have those we'd have poker sunglasses <laughs> on, right? And we don't. And you know, so I, I think that yeah, I mean, I think that the sad thing is it's pretty easy to actually get us to behave well. It's easier than not. Uh, but you do have to do it. And if your motivation, like you said, if your motivation is to the moon and I'm in the front of the bus to the moon, yeah, that's not going to take things in the right direction. So what do you, if you're allowed to say, where's where and how is Second Life going? I felt like whenever I hear Web3 and, oh, we're going to build virtual worlds, I'm like, dudes it's built and people it's like and it's been banged on and changed and re what's it called when you re re factored so many mm -hmm. fucking times i mean that was the thing about second life it was like everybody just stop we're gonna need 24 hours we'll be back it will be better just shut up you know what i mean those moments but it's been through it so many incarnations yeah. and development so it's like we already did it yeah. If you're interested in Web3, come to Second Life and play. So it seems like this would be the renaissance for, for Second Life. Yeah, I mean, I think the externality of first COVID and then and then Zuckerberg literally calling the ball, you know, calling the Hail Mary ball on the whole thing and claiming it was his. It's yeah. weird, but I mean, it's a very typical tech move, right? But the COVID and then Facebook and then to a lesser extent, I think crypto and Web3, you know, the idea of like decentralized places or whatever, they, they, mm -hmm. they kind of brought this all back into the conversation. But that leaves behind the fact that, like you said, we have been working on this at Second Life nonstop as a profitable company with hundreds of people for almost 20 years. And what we know is that things are gradually improving, but it's a very hard problem. And the hard problem I would put, there's, there's two hard problems that, that block us from, well, they force us to have theoretical conversations over video as we are right now, rather than like standing in second life and doing this. Mm -hmm. the, the, the two problems, if I, over, if I can oversimplify, is one, nonverbal expression is a really important part of communication. And you know, we're using video right now while we talk and there is some advantage to that. Like we know each other pretty well, so it's not huge. I can look away out my window because I'm simulating you, so to speak, in my brain pretty well. I know what, you know, your, your face looks like. But if I didn't know you as well, you know, if you were interviewing me or something, then there is a real benefit to expression, to nonverbal expression. And I think that um, the, 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 the head-mounted display you know, Facebook horizons or whatever, 
it it does get a little bit of the way there, but then it it adds so much divisiveness and discomfort and badness <sighs> yeah. that it ba- it's two steps forward and three steps back. But it does point to what needs to change, and I believe will eventually change. Maybe some of it through machine learning on cameras. By the way, that's the I I think that one of the things that might happen is that we might get the ability by by using cameras like we're using right now and a bunch of machine learning, I think we might be able to make ourselves into avatars, but we don't have to put on the headsets. Right. And that's pretty cool. That's actually potentially pretty cool. So I think that's one thing that can improve. So, so you need to have expressive avatars. That's thing number one. And most people aren't satisfied with like a second life avatar and certainly not a meta, you know, cartoon avatar. They're not good enough in terms of expression. The second thing is putting a whole bunch of people in one place which you know is a special love of mine, but let's talk about a freshman class, right? There's 300 students in there. Let's talk about going to a show. There's hundreds of people that are very near you and thousands that are within your eye shot, you know, at a lower kind of resolution. Let's talk about a political debate where people make material progress, right? In resolving, you know, the classic like New England town hall or something. All of those require hundreds of people within uh in in close communication in close quarters and i was so early with second life i'm so proud of it um but part of the deal was it's it's still early like to use computers and render you know you know because you've seen us do this with high fidelity you know to render like hundreds of avatars is really difficult we don't do it easily yet. You know, the the Facebook demo that you see people doing meetings in, the first question for Zuckerberg is, oh, I noticed that table only has room for like 12 people in those videos. And they'll tell you, yeah, you can only have 12 people in the meeting. And it's like, oh, well, okay, that, you know, yeah, that's a that, real that problem. Says, yeah. I remember when I first met you, it was for um, PBS Frontline. We were interviewing you for uh, Digital Nation, this documentary. And you said at the time, you said, in 10 years, we put it like in the commercial for the thing, in 10 years, virtual our virtual simulations will be indistinguishable from real life. <laughs> and it was funny in a way, but then I think it turned out to be true, just not in the way you meant it. <laughs> you know, we live, reality TV subsequently replaced real life. You know, we believe fake oh news God. over real news. So yes, the simulated reality has over has become oh. for most people indistinguishable from the real one. That's like that Jaron Lanier quote that you know I love. I think he's such a brilliant thinker. He said, "We're going to pass the Turing test, but not because the computers are getting smarter." <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> right, it's because we're getting dumber. We lose yeah. the ability to distinguish we're between them. Exactly. Communicating more simplistically, right? And they're going to yeah. fool us. Oh my gosh! Well, Philip, this is good. I think people will like this. I do too. I can't wait. Yeah. I still don't know whether I'm going to. Um, I think I I may try to play with these people, you know, and figure out weird mm-hmm. things for them to do. It's just none of them have anything to do with crypto. I don't know. I guess I'll find out. But you know, if people are playing in a world, you don't need, I don't need them to make money for playing. They're playing. Part of the Hoisinga, the whole point in Homo Ludens was if it's really play, it's disconnected from any real world stakes. It's just you play for its own sake. You know, if you're playing to earn 
Is that play or totally, is that work? It's totally not, right? I mean, it's so funny. Yeah, play to earn. Oh my God, don't, don't <laughs> even say that. It's so funny because I think people sometimes look back at Second Life and they think, yeah, that was play to earn. And it's like, oh my God, no, it, it, it's not play to earn. <laughs> you know, play to earn is basically, play to earn is where you pay me $20 and I put $19 of tokens. Uh, I love this idea. I've been thinking about this. This is play to earn, right? Everybody that wants to play gives me 20 bucks. And then I, as the game developer, drop at random locations out of the sky, 19 $1 tokens. <laughs> and you then get to crawl over the dead bodies of your friends, right? To collect the tokens and hopefully end up with more than 20 for you. That's play to earn, right? How horrible. Oh my God. How horrible. It's right? Perfect, it's not accretive. It's, it's like you said, it's yeah. extractive. Like Exactly. But if you take that $1 that you took from them and then spin that around at infinite speed in your community... <laughs> Yay, then we exactly. win. <laughs> it's so good. Oh I've gosh. got so many new ideas to talk to you about that are just fascinating around this stuff that are, I yeah. I mean, you know what I, I say lately, the hopeful thing I say? We've never, I mean, you say so much of this stuff, we've never lived at a moment of greater possibility, full stop, mm. you know? Like you can be sitting there right now and being like, oh my God, you know, a comet is gonna hit the earth. Well, yeah, totally, right? I mean, we've got these gigantic, you know, species ending possibilities coming in the next, you know, in our, in our lifetimes. But at the same time, right, our agency, our ability to say, avoid those crises has, has absolutely never been greater than it was. Even if you look back to like 94, which I remember so well, in which, you know, we were talking about the other day, you know, kind of San Francisco in the early nineties, even then, which felt right. latent with possibility, nowhere near what it is today. I mean, nowhere near it, right? We've got hardware now. We've got we've got everything in front of us. It's a great frame. I mean, there's a terrible amount of pain and suffering right now in the world. But simultaneously, we could, with less effort than ever before, uh, make everybody okay. You know? Exactly. <laughs> exactly, right? Exactly. Yeah, and I know we're kind of united in that. But uh, yeah, I've been thinking. I, I think your point about enabling environments, whether crypto or not, in which creative expression can happen in a way that is genuinely accretive to the individual. I think mm. that is a world saving thing, right? To think about like, cause that speaks against wealth inequality, right? Like that right. gradually resets the table. I've been thinking about how to do a let system with multiple currencies, which I've been, you know, you know, the same people as I do probably yeah. that I've been talking to a few groups that are really smart academics that are thinking about this. And I think it compiles. Like, I think there's an app to be built where you join a group and you create a currency and then you have almost, you have a let system within that group. And then you trade those currencies against each other using market makers, which is a crypto invention. And I actually think basically on a napkin that that's a runner. Like, and, and I've yeah, been thinking about doing it. I do it. too. The only thing that I could really see a value in crypto was to create a, a cross-currency exchange for yep. let systems from everywhere. Yep. Yeah, and because the let systems were only impaired, right? They were only impaired by their inexchangeability Yes. Across let systems, like you know, it's awesome to have Berkshire dollars or whatever. But come on, or or whatever that was, yeah, Berkshire dollars. Exactly. Yeah, you, I, I want to yeah, go over good. there. Buy a buy yeah. a drink in Los Angeles with those. Good luck. So, but right. if you made a system where you could trade those for Los Angeles dollars, yeah, then we're off to the races. And and, and frankly, worlds. that's the anarcho-syndicalist dream. Yeah, 
that's the thing. I mean, honestly, between us, that that that's the thing that I'm that's the thing I'm thinking about building is is trying to do that is 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 trying to trying to get that going. I'm there. Yeah, I'm there. Let's do a token offering, <laughs> <laughs> and we'll fund it with a. T- <laughs> oh my god, we'll fund it with a thirty-five million dollar ICO. Well, yeah, there you oh go. We'll god. take thirty million of it ourselves and use the five million to build the thing. Yeah, there you go. It's all good. All right, <laughs> I love you. Oh, it's so great to talk to you. It's wonderful. Thanks for being on Team Human. Our guest today, founder of Second Life, Philip Rosedale. You can find out more about Philip by going to teamhuman.fm and checking out all the links there. You can also become a supporting member of the team and join our Discord and do all sorts of other fun, cool stuff. Stay tuned for next week. We're going to do a weird, fun, different kind of show. I hope you like it. Team Human is edited by Luke Robert Mason and produced by Joshua Chapdelin. Our opening music is by Fugazi and the music behind me right now by Mike Watt on bass. I'm Douglas Rushkoff and you've been on Team Human, our last best hope for peeps. Serves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.